We'll continue our worship of our great God as we open his word together in Mark chapter 7. Uh, You can turn there with me this morning, Mark chapter 7. We're continuing in our series through the gospel of Mark. Uh, We have been going chapter by chapter through this great gospel, and I hope already to this point you have been challenged, you've been encouraged uh, with what we've been able to see and read together, and uh, we'll continue that today in Mark chapter 7. Now, again, because of the length of these chapters, we've focused in on particular portions of the chapter rather than the entirety of it. And this morning, I'd like us to look at Mark chapter 7, beginning with verse 14 as we begin. Mark 7, beginning with verse 14. Please follow along as I read. And he called the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand. There is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And when he had entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. And he said to them, then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him since it enters not his heart, but his stomach and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. And he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. As we look at this passage this morning... I'd like to point out four truths that we'll see and also give us four challenges as we go from here to serve the Lord and to make much of his great name. Truth number one we see in the text is that what matters most to man is not what matters most to God. What matters most to man is not what matters most to God. I think it's important for us to understand the context by which Jesus is giving these truths to his followers. In order to do that, we need to jump back to the beginning of chapter 7. And so I want you to jump back to the beginning of chapter 7 with me, and we're going to read through verses 1 all the way through verse 13 to set the context for the teaching that Jesus is giving. So look at verse 1. Now when the Pharisees gathered to him, to Jesus, with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is, unwashed. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? And he said to them, well, did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites? As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And he said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. 
For Moses said, honor your father and your mother, and whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, if a man tells his father or his mother, whatever you would have gained from me is Corbin, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down, and many such things you do. You see, contextually, Jesus is addressing a very important matter. Jesus is addressing a matter of what is in the heart of man rather than just what is on the exterior of man. Jesus is emphasizing the necessity of a heart that is right before God rather than in the exterior sense doing everything that in the eyes of men are right or according to the traditions of men. And this is a very important point. Too often what matters most to man is not at all what matters most to God. I want you to look again at verses 14 and 15. He says, he called the people to him and said, hear me, all of you understand. Jesus wants everyone there to process and understand this reality and this truth. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. He wants them to understand this. Now, depending on your translation of scripture, verse 16 might not be included in your Bible, depending on your translation. Verse 16, in those that have that, says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Now, the reason that's not included in some of your Bibles is because depending on the manuscripts that your Bible was was written from, it may or may not have included that verse. And so uh, translators have removed that from some of the translations. Here's the issue. That is repeated, that command, he who has ears to hear, let him hear multiple times throughout the gospel of Mark. The issue is not with the truth of Jesus calling on those that have ears to hear, let him hear. There's just debate as to whether or not that should have been inserted there. So that's why some of you might not see verse 16 in your Bibles. But here's what Jesus is asking for all of his followers, for all of his disciples, for those that were present. He wants them to get this truth. What matters most to man is not what matters most to God. And I think we all understand this. I think we all can process this, but he explains it to them in a little bit greater detail. And I love that Jesus does this. And he says, listen, it's not what goes in. You know, the Pharisees in the context here, they were so concerned that Jesus' disciples were eating food. And before they were eating food, they didn't get enough Purell on their hands. They didn't wash them. They didn't do what they needed to do and the ceremonial cleansings that would need to take place on their hands before they could eat. And and the Pharisees were so concerned over this. And Jesus is pointing out that those are traditions of men, not commandments of God. And so often what matters most to man is not what matters most to God. And the problem becomes when we begin to pass judgment or we begin to elevate those things even to a greater level than the things of God. I want to ask a question this morning. How many of you here are steak people? You like steak. So if you're asked to pick a restaurant, you can go anywhere you want, you're going to pick a steakhouse. How many of you are there? That's that's what I would pick, a steakhouse, okay? So if I go to a steakhouse and I get a steak, I like a strip steak or filet mignon is very good. It can be pricey. But if you get a steak, you're going to be asked, how do you want your steak cooked? And so when I go to get a steak, I like to get my steak cooked medium. And <laughs> so, listen, that, that is not a plant. I promise you. I didn't, tell, I didn't tell whoever gasped. When I say I like my steak medium, make a noise. But I thought when I was thinking about sharing this that someone for sure is going to lose respect for me when I say I like my steak medium. 
Uh, depending on how the restaurant cooks it, I might like it more medium rare, but I never know that until they cook it. So I always ask for it medium. And then what someone's medium versus others' medium, I don't know what it is. But the point being, I ask for it medium. And so people, without a doubt, if I go to eat with someone or I'm with someone that likes their steak medium rare or rare or like they want to hear it moo when it comes to the table... Without a doubt, they inform me about how terrible it is that I get my steak medium. And someone already did that this morning, okay? <laughs> Some of you have already lost great respect for me because I get my steak medium. And without a doubt, you're sitting at the table and people are like, medium? You're, you're destroying the steak. You can't even taste it. Like, they give me all the spiel about why I need to like steak the way they do, okay? And I'm like, I don't, I don't want it bloody. I, I just want my steak. I want to enjoy it. And, and that's how I like it. I like it medium. Now, I didn't always like it medium. Uh, I used to get my steak medium well, <laughs> medium, medium well, okay? I started working at a steakhouse as a waiter years and years ago, and we had to test the food. And so we had to test the food so we can make recommendations to people when they would come into the restaurant. And so they were like, yeah, we want you to test this filet out. And they're like, how do you like it? And I said, medium well. And they like, everybody like stopped, like in the back of the state was like, like, what? You want a filet medium well? And they're like, are you crazy? And I'm like, I, I like it medium well. That's how I like it. And they're like, just try it medium. And I was like, all right. So I tried it medium. And I was like, this is what steak tastes like. Like after I had it medium, <laughs> I, a whole new world opened up to me, right? And so here's the crazy thing. Now when I go out to eat with anybody, if they order a steak, if someone in my family gets a steak, if we're good, and they order it, and they're like, yeah, I like it medium well, I look at them, and I'm like, shame, 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 shame. <laughs> you know, I look at them like, you don't even know what steak tastes like. Like that's, I have taken the judge rule now, right? And I'm judging everyone based upon their cut and also how they like their steak done. Now, here's why I share all that with you, because in a very real way, in a very real way, this is what the Pharisees had been doing. They were making their preferences and the traditions of men out to be a defining characteristic of someone's spirituality. Can you imagine if your spiritual standing before God was based upon how you like your steak? Can you imagine if there was a, a, an audience of people constantly judging what you do or don't do, not in regards to what God says, but in regards to what they say, in regards to the traditions of men. And that's how your spirituality is defined, as to whether or not you are holy or unholy, right with God or not right with God, in need of repentance or walking with him. And yet, that's what the Pharisees, in a very real way, were doing, passing judgment on things that before God are not of the same value as they are in the sight of men. And Jesus is wanting them to understand this reality. He says, it's not what goes into a person that defiles in verse 15, but the things that come out of a person, that is what defiles him. And he's hitting this right in the face, right, right in the middle of their eyes, what the Pharisees had been proclaiming, what they would have just previously observed in the conversation with the Pharisees. The things that matter to God so often are not what matter to man. The things that matter most to man are so often not what matters to God. In 1 Samuel chapter 16, the prophet Samuel was looking to uh, anoint a new king, a king in Israel. And as he was going through, he came to the sons of Jesse, 
Uh, and Jesse had many sons, and David was one of Jesse's sons that would be anointed as the future king. And in 1 Samuel 16, 6 and 7, it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab, and Eliab was a very tall individual. This is one of my life verses. Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord, but the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, he says in the passage. For I have rejected him. Okay, did you get that? I have not considered his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. Think of this. This is what, this is what the Lord is telling Samuel. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You see, what matters most to man is so often not what matters most to God. And so here's the challenge, church. First challenge this morning is give greater care to the things that matter to God. Give greater care, consideration, effort, focus, time to the things that matter most to God, not the things that matter most to men. That's a very difficult thing sometimes, the culture we find ourselves living in to do. And probably most of us, if we had to be honest, would say at times we can be very guilty of focusing on the things that do not matter most to God, both concerning ourselves, but also concerning others. We need to give greater care to the things that matter to God. Secondly, the truth that we want to see is what comes out is a reflection of what is within. What comes out is a reflection of what is within. Uh, Look at verse 15 and then verse 20 again. There's nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Verse 20, and he said, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. You see, Jesus is making something abundantly clear, and and this is where we have to understand and we have to process this, and it can be difficult sometimes for us to kind of understand all that he's saying here, because on one hand, Jesus is making a point that the exterior things, right, the exterior things are not what defile a person, or not what define a person. It's the exterior things or what's being put in. That's not necessarily a a, a revealing necessarily of what is going to defile them. But at the same time, Jesus speaks of what comes out of a person and can be observed in a person is what shows where their heart is. And so you see, there's a a little bit of a difficulty here in understanding what Jesus is saying. And, And in one essence, he's saying, listen, don't judge, don't pass judgment on, don't hold to a standard of man made holiness, not God's standard of holiness, but man's standard of holiness based upon what you see on the exterior, because instead, God is looking at the heart. But at the same time, God does have standards in his word, and God is holy and wants us to be holy as his children. And so while we have to make sure that we're not focusing on the things that don't matter to God, in focusing on the things that do matter to God, we'll come to an understanding that what is in the heart will be seen in what comes out of us, in our actions, in our words, in our fruit. What comes out is a reflection of what is within Jesus makes this abundantly clear. He wants to make it abundantly clear. That's why, if you remember back chapter 7, earlier on in the verses, he says in verse 6, Isaiah the prophet prophesied of you hypocrites. Jesus was very kind to these religious people, regularly calling them hypocrites, whitewashed tombs, dead on the inside. Um, He says, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. 
As it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Their heart doesn't belong to me. Their heart is not with me. Their heart is not one that is geared towards obedience to me. Back to that stake question. Can you imagine if you and I determined someone's spiritual position before God based upon how they like their steak cooked? That would be absolutely ridiculous. The same is true that if we would base someone's spiritual state based upon our personal preferences, that we would pass judgment on someone because they don't like the same music we do or like the same clothes that we do or like the same haircut that we do or like the same friends that we do or like the same TV shows that we do or like whatever we can go on and on saying that have nothing necessarily specifically to do with the commands of God, but there are preferences. Now, in all those categories, yes, there are areas that if there's biblical truth and biblical principle, we should be arriving at the same conclusions. But so often the arguments even amongst believers in Christ have nothing to do with what God says, but have to do with what we want or what we think or what we prefer. And here's what God is saying. Here's what Jesus is teaching them. And he's wanting them to understand that there are so many people that honor God with their lips, but their heart is far from him. There are so many people who elevate the doctrines, commandments, and traditions of men even over the doctrine, commandment, and teaching of God. And those two things are not equal. What you and I think as people is not equal with what God says as God. And we have to understand that because we can all be so guilty, myself included, of wanting to hold people to the standards that I personally have rather than the standards of what God's word says. And that is dangerous ground. Is there anything wrong with washing your hands before you eat? No, I encourage it. Okay? <laughs> regularly, if you're in my house, you'll hear me say, well, it's time to eat. Make sure you wash your hands first. I say it all the time. I don't know where those hands have been, right? I want clean hands when you're going to eat. It's good. It's, it's fine. But not because if you don't wash your hands, you're living in sin and disobeying God. You see a difference? And so we have to understand this, that what comes out is a reflection of within but what comes out as a reflection of within should be in accordance with what God's word says. And that's not always going to be in accordance or in line with what man says. On the contrary, probably quite a bit of the time it will be the opposite of what man says, of what culture says, of what's acceptable, of what is the norm. Jesus is addressing this a huge fault of the Pharisees that they were elevating their own man-made rules, traditions, and customs to equality and sometimes even a greater standing than the law of God. That's what they were passing on. Their determination of someone's spirituality was oftentimes based on these exterior things, but not on the things that even God specifically addressed in his word. The clear commands of God in his word, the clear law of God that they could completely ignore because they elevated so highly their personal traditions and standards. They were elevating someone's standing before God based upon whether or not they washed their hands with water before they would eat. Do you see how that's a problem? And yet again, so oftentimes we can be guilty of those same things. What is on the inside will eventually clearly be seen on the outside. Jesus is not ignoring the output of an individual. He's actually saying what is within will flow out and be seen. 
I think a challenging question for all of us is to ask for our personal lives, what do others see flowing out from us? What is our heart revealing? So often our output is a reflection of the condition of our hearts. Our output is a condition of our heart. So here's the second challenge this morning. Examine your output. Examine your output. We can say that another way. Examine your fruit. Examine your output. What is coming out out of the overflow of the heart? In our words, in our actions, in our attitudes, in our perspectives, in our reasoning, in our motivations, what's our output look like? Examine your output. Number three, the heart of man is wicked and produces wicked things. This is not an encouraging part of the message, okay? The heart of man is wicked and produces wicked things. These are hard things to hear, but aren't they necessary to hear because God's word says them? The heart of man is wicked and produces wicked things. Look at verses 20 to 23. And he said, Jesus is speaking, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts. Now listen to me for a second. Um, clearly, what Jesus is describing here is the heart of sinful man. And, and these verses, I think, are the prime example, prime explanation of why we need a Savior. The word of God says that man's heart is deceitfully wicked. Apart from Jesus Christ, apart from the forgiveness of sins that is offered through Christ, apart from the new heart that is ours in Christ, apart from the new person we are in Jesus Christ, the heart of man is wicked. And this is what the overflow of the heart is for sinful man. Listen to what he says. For from within, out of the heart of man, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and they defile a person. Listen, man's heart is wicked and produces wicked things. And but for the grace of God in your life and my life as a child of God, all of these things would be characterizing our lives even today because man's heart is wicked. We all, every one of us, needed a savior. We all needed forgiveness of sins. Some of you are here today and you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your savior. You are in need of a savior because God's word says that your heart, like my heart, apart from Christ, is absolutely wicked. And as I read this list, there might have been some things that jumped out to you there that maybe even today characterize your life. Man's heart is wicked and produces wicked things. In Romans chapter 5, the Apostle Paul said this, speaking of our state before God and what God did. You see, at just the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Are you thankful for that this morning? That just at the right time when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, 
Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. And listen, if you've never heard this passage in Romans, here's what Paul's saying. He's like, listen, when we were powerless, when we could do nothing to earn position with God or favor with God or forgiveness with God, when we were absolutely powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. We were were haters of God, enemies of God, rebellious against God. And at that point in time, God showed his love by sending Christ, and Christ died for the ungodly. And then he makes a point that I think everybody can very clearly hear. It's rare that anyone would die for a righteous person. Someone who does things right. Someone who is good. Someone who is is a friend, a family member. Someone that you care deeply for and cares deeply for you. It's rare that someone would lay down their life for that individual. Though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. That could happen. But this is what God did. God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Listen to me this morning if you're here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you're sitting there in that pew and you're thinking in your mind, I am an evil person. My heart is wicked. The things that I do, the things that I think, the things that I say, if God could see and know, he could never love me. And yet, This verse tells us God does see, he does know, and Christ died for you anyhow. And there is life and forgiveness to be found in Jesus Christ. Man's heart is wicked and produces wicked things. Therefore, we all needed a Savior. In verse 9 of Romans 5, it says, Since we have now been justified by his, by Jesus' blood, how much more shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? We all needed a savior. Our hearts were all wicked, deceitfully wicked, the Bible says. But through Jesus Christ, our hearts have been changed. And if your heart has been changed, your output and fruit should be changed. Do you understand that this morning? That Jesus makes something abundantly clear that man's standards and man's uh, most important things are not God's standards and the most important things to God. That we have to be understanding, we have to reflect on the reality that what goes in doesn't defile a man. What is put in isn't what defines who they are spiritually, but rather what is within the heart and then also what is the output from the heart. Our hearts are wicked apart from Jesus Christ. Our heart produces wicked things, but Jesus is fully capable of transforming our hearts. And our output should show that. Here's the third challenge, very simply. Check your heart. Check your heart. Where is your heart at before God? Check your output. Check your heart. What is flowing forth from the heart today? Are they the things of God that honor God, that show God is your Lord and Savior Or are they the things that Jesus describes in Mark chapter 7, verses 20 through 23? Check your heart. Truth number four. There's forgiveness and deliverance available through Jesus Christ. There is forgiveness and deliverance available through Jesus Christ. Again, verses 21 to 23 would be true of every single one of us in here. That's what would characterize our lives apart from Jesus. That's who we we were apart from Jesus Christ. That's who we are if we are not in Jesus Christ. But God has changed us. God has transformed us. God has made us alive through Jesus Christ. Jesus, 
Jesus is the Savior of the world. But there's responsibility today if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ to admit that you are a sinner and lost without him, to confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord and Savior to the glory of God, to admit, believe, and confess so that you might have forgiveness of sins. It is available. Deliverance is available through Jesus Christ. So here's the challenge I would give you. Call out to him and seek deliverance through him. Call out to him and seek deliverance through him. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, call unto him for salvation. Before you leave today, talk to someone who invited you. Talk to one of the pastors. Come down and see me down front and ask how you can have a relationship with Jesus because he offers deliverance, forgiveness, and freedom today from sin. If you're a believer in Jesus today, call out to him and seek deliverance. If you're struggling with sin, if you're participating in the things that should not be participated in by a follower of Jesus Christ, call out to the Lord for forgiveness and for deliverance. Call out to him. Seek him. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul the Apostle wrote, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Again, this is a revealing of the heart again. Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who practice homosexuality, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. That was the heart of man apart from Jesus Christ. And look at what he says in verse 11. And such were some of you. Such were some of you, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. I'm in that group of such were some of you, but you've been washed. So many of you in this room are of the group and such were some of you, but you have been washed. If you've been washed, say amen this morning. Amen. That's who we are in Jesus Christ. If that's not you, it can be you by calling out to the Lord for salvation. In Ephesians chapter 4, in Ephesians chapter 4, the Apostle Paul wrote, Put off your old self. Put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires. Again, the wickedness of man's heart. And be renewed in the spirits of your mind. Put on the new self created after the likeness of God in true righteousness and holiness. The desire God has for you and I as his children is that the old would be put off and gone and that the new would be lived in, that we would put on that new life, that our minds would be renewed through the spirit of God and the word of God, and that we would be holy even as our God is holy. Call out to him. Call out to him. Seek deliverance. Call out to him for forgiveness. Call out to him that you might be obedient to him. As his child. I want to just give you these four challenges again. Four challenges to take as we go from here today. Give greater care to the things that matter to God. Care less about the things of man and more about the things of God. Give greater care to the things that matter to God. Number two, examine your output. What's overflowing from your heart today as a child of God? So check your heart. Make sure your heart is right with the Lord. And call out to him and seek deliverance through him.
I'm so thankful for the way that Jesus addressed very difficult, difficult things and how he was able to lay the truth out so clearly. It's not what goes in that defiles a man. It's what comes out. Might what comes out be a reflection of what he has done within so that he's glorified. Father, we thank you for your word today. We're thankful for the challenge of of Christ, Lord, that he would set things straight about what matters most to you. I pray that we too, Lord, would care about the things that you care about, that our minds would be set on things above, not on things on the earth, and that our output would match the work that you have done within our hearts. I pray that as we go from here, we would go prepared and ready to make much of the name of Christ, both in our words and in our actions for your glory. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.